What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Rants and Revelations. And I'm your host, Alex Rudinger. <laughs> oh, am I right? Oh, what's up, guys? How are you? I hope you're well, uh, wherever you are in the world. And uh, I wasn't even going to do an episode tonight, but uh, I've been sitting here at my desk for a while working on uh, this groove pack I'm making for RS Drums, a and I's company. Um, and I'm basically just going through all these MIDI notes and readjusting dynamics and cleaning things up a bit. And it's very tedious and I don't feel like doing it right now, to be honest. So I figured I would take a little break and, uh, you know, record a quick episode of this banger. So, uh, also I got, um, a lot of good feedback. Uh, people, uh, to my surprise, people were emailing me really liked, uh, the Q&A thing I did in the last episode. So this is going to be part two of that. Um, I'm going to go through some more of these questions and answer them. It was fun, and uh, I look forward to doing it again. Before that, though, I have a fun little story to tell you guys uh, of something that happened these last few days. So I, uh, to give you a little backstory first, I am not personally a big fan of smoking the marijuanas. I have absolutely nothing against it. Uh, if people smoke around me, I'm totally fine with it. It's nothing like that. Uh, I've tried it. Um, I just don't really like it. The last couple of times I smoked, which was like 10 years ago, literally both of the last two times I had a panic attack and just freaked the fuck out and sweated a lot and it was miserable for hours. And uh, before that, I'd only ever done it like a couple times, um, and I, it was okay, um, but yeah, after those last two times, I was just like, you know what, I've always been fine without this, so I'm just not going to do it anymore, ever, and uh, so in total, I've, I've only done it a very handful of times in my entire life, but after the last two, I was like, you know what, screw that, I don't like marijuana, not my thing, more power to you if you can do it and enjoy it, and if it brings some kind of increased quality to your life. I'm all for it. Um, but it's just not for me. And it was pretty much that way for years and years. And then at some point in the last couple of years, I started enjoying, I tried and enjoyed uh, CBD oil. And uh, that was really nice. It was almost like getting a body high without the head high. So it was really lovely to take before going to sleep. And I would just take some and lay down and feel nice and relaxed, and then pass out. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and I, I would always get some on tour. I, I like the, uh, y you have to get it, I mean, I know you can buy it like anywhere now, but if you get it in like Colorado or California, you know, you can get like, uh, uh, you know, it can where it has small amounts of THC in it. And, uh, you know, I guess THC is the thing, you know, excuse me in advance, I, I know very little about weed, so uh, excuse any ignorance, but THC, I guess, is the thing, you know, that makes you high. Um, but in super small doses, you know, with the CBD blend, I guess, um, it can just have a nice effect and you don't actually feel that, you know, head high. Um, so I thought, and that brings me to the story. So I have... A friend, well, for starters, like I said, I normally get it on tour. I would, like, buy a bunch of bottles of it and take it home, and it would last me a pr pretty long while. 
Um, but I haven't been on tour in a year. So I have a friend in California and uh, they sent me some. Um, I'm not sure the legality of that, so I, I won't say their name. Uh, but they mailed me some CBD oil per my request and I got it. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. And then uh, night before last, I went to try some. And I was taking it earlier than usual. Normally, I would take it before bed, but I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try some now. I'm just going to be working on my computer the rest of the night, whatever. So I didn't really read the label. I took, like, more or less a whole dropper full. And, uh, like, half an hour later, I didn't really feel anything. Um, So I figured I'd take some more. And half an hour later, I still didn't really feel anything. So I took a little bit more. And uh, turns out it was a very high concentrate of THC and the actual serving size was like a third of a dropper. And I was not ready for that. And I got high as shit. And it sucked balls. (laughs) Like, I fucking hated it. Oh, man, guys. It was... I have not felt that in a very long time. The best part was is that it hit me See, all the CBD I've tried before that, like, it never took that long to hit, you know, I I feel like I I would start feeling it, you know, just like kind of the body relaxation feeling within 30 minutes, you know? So when when nothing happened for like an hour, I just figured it wasn't very strong. And uh, that's why I took more. But as it turns out, it was very strong. And I took way too much. Um, But the funny thing was, at some point in the evening, I remembered, you know, after I had taken it, but before it kind of hit, uh, I remembered that the frozen yogurt place by my house that I like to go to from time to time, uh, very sadly and unfortunately is closing permanently, uh, because of COVID they can't afford to stay open. And it's really sad. Actually, I, the two people that run it, it's like this older couple, they're immigrants from some part of Asia. I'm not sure where, but they're super lovely. And, you know, they open that place, uh, whenever I guess they moved here sometime after and, They've run it for like 10 years and now they have to close. So I was really bummed out and I remembered it was their last night uh, being open. So I drove over there really quick to buy some Froyo and support them and just say thanks and all that. Um, Sorry to see them go and all that stuff. So uh, I went in there and I got the Froyo added. I got the cake batter flavor. You know how we do. And uh, I put it in the cup. And then between that and the register is when it hit me. And I, all of a sudden, I was like, oh my God, wait, what? And then, <laughs> I, I don't even know. Oh my God. I don't even know what the hell happened after that. Like, it felt like, oh man, I hate being high. It felt like, it felt like it took me 20 minutes to pay for my Froyo. Like, there wasn't a line or anything. I just felt like, I, I don't even know. You know, I didn't, I, I have no idea what I said. I, I don't know. And I, and then I was like, how long have I been standing here? Like, I had no uh, understanding of time in that moment, you know? I mean, keep in mind, if you're someone out there that smokes a lot, like, I have zero tolerance for this shit, you know? So I think I took a lot by any standards, but I also uh, will just have no tolerance. So it was even, <laughs> it was even worse. And uh, yeah, so I was high as shit. I have no idea what I even said to those people. I just, I realized it. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm high as shit. Uh, I must have taken way too much CBD. This sucks. I need to get out of here. And 
I don't even know what I said. I barely remember. I, I wanted to, you know, say like, oh, you know, thanks and like talk to him for a minute. And instead I just like awkwardly panicked and left. <laughs> oh, man. So then I left and I had to drive home. So I just drove home all slow and paranoid and got home and just I at this point I was sweating like I was in a cold sweat. And, you know, it's weird. I was in a cold sweat, but I didn't really feel panicky. Like I, you know, in the past when I've uh, smoked, I, I was having like panic attacks and I, I had all this anxiety. It wasn't really like that. You know, like I'd experienced this before, even though it had been a long time. So I was well aware that I was just really fucking high and there was nothing I was going to be able to do about it until it just subsided, which coincidentally took an incredibly long time. I got home around like seven or I don't even remember. I think it was like 7.38. And normally I'm up late as shit like like I am now. But instead I just got in bed and tried to sleep. And I was in bed from like 8 p.m. to like noon the next day. I was fucked. Guys, let me tell you, I do not do good at drugs. I am not, you know, other than coffee. And yeah, that's about it, you know. Um, If anything, I think I would be into stimulants. Because I'm just that kind of a person. I like to be engaged and I like to be focused and productive. So if I was going to do drugs, it'd probably be something like that. Probably best for me to stay away from that too, though, because I think I have a pretty addictive personality. Um, but yeah, I... Fuck. I hated that. I am such an amateur at the weeds, guys. So figured you'd all appreciate imagining me freaked out and sweaty in a frozen yoga place the other night. So that's been my last few days. Uh, But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that little story. And uh, now let's go ahead and move on to some questions. Um, By the way, I I am still going to use CBD. I I think it actually can be a really great thing for me in small doses. I just can't. I can't take that much. It's way too much. Um, Yeah, I got to read labels before taking stuff. That that would be smart, right? Yeah. All right, guys. So let's see. I do not even remember where I left off. Uh, here we go. All right. Um, I remember answering that question and that one. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. This is where I left off, guys. Um, thoughts on Steel Panther and Tenacious D. Would you tour with a good comedy metal band? And that is for from... Dan Moyer drums. Huh. Well, to be totally honest with you guys, I've never been a fan of like comedy metal or really comedy music in general. I, I, but especially metal, like, I don't know if it's just because I take myself and my work very seriously. Like, I mean, I don't take myself that seriously, but I take my work very seriously and I don't know. It always kind of like irked me in a weird way when I would see like comedy bands just kind of messing around. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it'd be kind of fun. So sure, I would potentially. Um, also, like, I don't really know if Strapping Young Lad could be considered, like, a comedy metal band. I mean, some people kind of thought they were. Uh, but I fucking loved Strapping. Like, that shit ruled. And so, I mean, I guess there are exceptions. Um, I, I've I've seen live videos of... of steel panther and they they're great you know i mean so and i'm sure tenacious d is as well i haven't really seen 
much live footage or, or anything. I've never seen them live, so I have no idea. But um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely do this, something like that live. Um, it would be fun. I probably wouldn't uh, actively listen to that kind of thing very often, um, if ever. I mean, I, I don't really. Per, so I guess that kind of answers it. But sure, I would definitely play it. I, I do for sure kind of view uh, what I play and what I listen to as very different things, you know? Um, yeah, that might be a story for another time. But but yeah, hopefully that answers your question, good buddy. Um, oh, man, this question, this is a throwback. All right. Uh, major throwback. Did you drum on Samadhi's full length with producer slash guitarist Peter Witchers of Soilwork? Um, that is from Nashti Drummer. And uh, all right, this is a period of my life that I I honestly forgot about. I do not, uh, it was a very long time ago. So, all right, quick history lesson. Samadhi, guys, was a local-ish band from the Baltimore, Maryland area in the, I don't even know what years that would have been, like the early, mid-2000s, like, I mean, shit, I was still, like, in high school, so, you know, I graduated in 2010, so, yeah, I guess, like, mid-2000s around there, and basically, these guys sounded very, uh, uh, very soil worky. And at this point, Peter Witchers from the band Soil Work had left Soil Work and he was getting more into production. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was already living in the US at that time. And this band uh, went and recorded with him. He was like one of their first, or he was, or they were one of his first like bands that he was, uh, you know, really involved in the production of, um, you know, post being a member of Soil Work. And basically, at some point, uh, a bunch of the members quit, and I ended up playing with them. But to answer your question, uh, gentleman who asked this, Nashti Drummer, uh, I think I'm saying that right, there's an H in there, um, I did not play on that album, no. Peter Witchers produced that whole album, and then basically me and my friend Greg uh, and my friend James, who was a keyboard player, um, we came in after the fact and we played shows uh, and ultimately the whole thing kind of fell apart. That album kind of flopped. It didn't really uh, do that well. Um, and, you know, basically like all, all of the important members <laughs> like quit. So like they just had this really well-produced album, uh, you know, that had like Peter Witcher's name on it. But, you know, I mean... I remember basically when the guy that was left was like trying to put the band back together, he he thought that having Peter Witcher's name on it um, would be like a really big deal. And, uh, you know, I, I think even at that point, Soil Work, uh, you know, I, I think it's not that they were past their prime or anything, but um, I don't know. It was, you know, the the music industry was changing. And sure, having a good producer on an album can do something for your album, but like, if the album itself doesn't sound good and, and is written well, you know, if the actual uh, music isn't, you know, of the utmost quality, then, you know, it, it isn't really going to make a difference one way or the other. And I'm not bashing on it. I like that Samadhi album. Um, oh, my God. I can't rem I can't believe this, but I remembered the name of it just now. It's called Incandescence. And fun fact, actually, 
Uh, Henry Ranta, the soil work drummer, uh, before Dirk, he, he played on like Predator's Portrait and Natural Born Chaos in figure number five. He played drums on that Samadhi album. Basically, before I started playing with them, but before everyone, you know, that I, like, me and my friend replaced, uh, quit. Like, the drummer, I guess, that they had at the time, whose name I don't recall either, um, he apparently, Peter Witchers, I guess, didn't think he was cutting it and convinced the band to fly Henry Ranta in and come track drums for this album as, like, a session. So he did. And, uh, yeah, so I was, like, learning a bunch of Henry Ranta's parts. I was in a, I, I couldn't even drive yet. I was, like, 15 when this was going on. So, like, I was young as shit. We played a few a few local shows, but that I don't I don't even remember how it all ended. Um, but yeah, things just didn't move forward with that band. And no, I did not play on their album. But damn, I I forgot all about that. Me and Greg used to drive down to well, he, he or our other friend Dustin would drive. It was Dustin, me, James. James came in later as the keyboard player. Um, we would drive down to Baltimore, and which is like an hour from me uh, to practice. We had a practice space. Uh, well, the band had a practice space. I guess the guy that was left in the band, the original guy, like, I, I don't, I was so young. I don't even know what was going on. I was just trying to play drums, but he, uh, I guess he like owned everything. And that's why when everyone else quit, he tried to keep it going, but it just didn't work out anyway. Damn. Thanks for the uh, throwback for myself. Cause I, that's one of those things that happened at such a young period in my life when so much, you know, I was going through, uh, just, you know, everyone's changed. I mean, I was literally 15, 16, and um, I felt like I was still, uh, you know, learning drums at that point. And I was in high school and all that shit. So, you know, just lots of changes in life and being an adolescent and all that shit. So, like, you know, I always forget about that. But, yeah, that is something I uh, I did as a teenager. But, no, I didn't play on the album. So thanks for that question. That is a major throwback. Uh, this next gentleman, Sandro C. Wookie, says, fave food. I don't know, dude. Fucking, I do eat a lot of Chipotle. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I, uh, if, whenever I find a house that, you know, I'm looking at these houses and shit, and whenever I'm looking online, if I see a house that looks promising, you know, it, it's not a selling point that it has to be close to a Chipotle. Like, if it's not, I'll, I'll still consider it, of course. But I low-key do occasionally look to see how far the closest Chipotle is to the house I'm looking at because I do really like Chipotle. I'm not sure if that's my favorite food, though. Chipotle is just good because I think it's fairly quality food at a relatively affordable cost, and it's quick and easy, and it doesn't make me feel like total shit. Um you know, after eating it. So unlike, you know, other fast food places. So, and there's one right by the gym I go to. Of course, I have not been to the gym in the better part of a year, really. So that sucks. But yeah, I, you know, going and working out and then getting Chipotle was a go-to move for me. Um, I do really like Thai food though. Um, a lot. I like sushi as well. I don't know. I don't really have a favorite food, man. I just, I just like dope food. You know what I'm saying? Um, but those are some of my favorites, I guess. All right, so let's see. What else we got here? Um, no question. Just wanted to say the new Marrow EP was sick. Thank you very much, kind sir, from 
Musateric25. Um, yeah, thanks, man. And as a reminder to everyone, um, that cover EP that Keith Marrow and I did is is on Spotify and iTunes and all that now. It's under the artist name Marrow. Um, it's a cover EP of this old old school grindcore band called Nasm. So check it out if you haven't. Um, let's see. How long did it take you to master double bass pedal from scratch? Uh, well, I I don't. I don't personally think that I am a master of it. Um, I don't think it's really a possible thing to master, but I appreciate that you think that. Um, you know, I've spent many, many years uh, working on my feet and will probably continue spending many years continuing to work on my feet and, uh, you know, uh, either trying to maintain or trying to improve. That's what it's all about. It never ends with this instrument. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Let's see what else we got. Um, do you think there's some people out there that truly just don't got it as in ability to play from cool Eric underscore? Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I don't know. It's possible. I mean, yeah, maybe I think there might be people that just rhythmically might not be as inclined, but I don't really, you know, I don't know what. That's a rabbit hole we could go down. I'm not sure I want to right now, but I do think sometimes about, like, what is it, what is this rhythmic thing that some people can grasp and some can't? Is it all uh, environmental? Like, is it all something that can be learned? Or is there some genetic aspect of it that allows us to have a better or worse grasp on rhythm and time you know i i don't know the answers to this and if it is a genetic thing what gene like what dictates it i don't know i'm not a fucking scientist i don't i don't know the answers to these questions guys uh but i i really just don't know um i think that perhaps there are people that don't got it um but i also think i don't know man i think it depends on how bad you want it too i i I'm definitely a believer that regardless of your genetics, if you have the will and determination, you know, you can just fucking do shit. You know, I, I, I've always kind of like very stubbornly believed that I could do anything I put my mind to. And that's not like an ego thing at all, because I constantly also doubt myself, but I also somewhere inside, I, I have this like weird stubbornness where I just... It's like I feel like if I set my mind to something, if I really want something, I, I can figure out a way to do it. And, you know, I think there are other people that feel that way. Um, man, that just made me think of a bunch of different stuff that I could also get into, but that would take up a – that would go down a long rabbit hole. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I, th I think if people want something bad enough and they work really hard, you know uh, – I think that that can overcome almost anything. But similarly, um, it does seem like there are people that seem to just have a knack for it, you know? And I do wonder what, you know, makes those two things different and where the line is. And I don't know. Interesting question. I don't know the answer, but um, yeah, good question, buddy. Um, I'll leave that one as at, at that for now, because I just, I don't know, you know, makes me want to go and like study, like, I don't know, human 
jeans and stuff, you know? Man, I think if I... Damn, what the hell was that? Did you guys hear that? That was weird. It was like the radiator or something. Anyway, you know, I, I sometimes think if I had the drive that I have for drums for like almost anything else, I'd be like, I don't know. Like the problem is I, I don't, I don't think I'd have that same drive for everything necessarily. I think I have the drive and uh, will and passion for, for doing work with drums because I like drums. But I think if, you know, I tried to apply that to other things, it might not work the same way. But um, I've often thought like, I wonder what it would be like if I went into some field of science and tried to be like a physicist and, you know, if I had gone down that path instead, but um, not that I'm unhappy with my current path. I'm, I'm quite content, but uh, you know, it's just, you know, thinking about life and shit. I'm just very fascinated by all of that. And uh, for a while there were some mathematicians and theoretical physicists that I followed kind of closely and I'd read publications from them. And I don't know, man. I mean, I was, that was like a, I was having a lot of uh, existential crises at that point in my life. Um, anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's keep it a little lighter right now. You know, I'm just trying to answer questions, but all right. All right. Let's see what we got next. Drew Molary. What made you switch from using Magnum MS4s? All right. MS4s are a Vic Firth marching stick for anyone that doesn't know. They're uh, actually not made out of wood. I don't think they're made out of like a synthetic material called Stopak, which is I think that's what it's called. It's basically wood. I don't know. It looks like wood. It's just denser and darker, and they're very, very heavy. They're like the heaviest marching sticks that Vic Firth makes. Um, actually, I think at some point after that, they came out with something called the Hammer, and that was basically an even bigger version of that stick, but made with the same material, so very heavy. Uh, for a brief time, I used them on the drum kit. In hindsight, I have no idea what the fuck I was thinking. Um I don't know. I guess I just thought that bigger sticks would mean that I could hit harder, but I don't actually think that that's true. Um, you know, I think I hit harder now than I did when I was using them. So, um, and I use a smaller stick than that. I mean, relatively speaking, uh, to most people, I, I think my sticks are still pretty large, but um, the MS4s are insane. And, you know, I like the way they feel for some things, but then for other things, they were just way too heavy and... Um, yeah, I don't know. I broke a lot of stuff too. I would dent heads very quickly and definitely cracked more cymbals. So, uh, that, that wasn't going to work. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just, uh, got tired of using them, dude, you know, switched it up. I felt like I should go to something a little more normal that could allow me to have a little bit better dynamic control. Um, so yeah, let's see. What are your favorite drum playthroughs slash covers that you've done thus far? That's from Ed Locurio. I think. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would have to stop and try to think of all the ones that I've done. Uh, I don't know. I really liked how the stab wound video came out. Um, and that was a very challenging one. So, you know, that felt good. Um, but honestly, right now, I can't even think of any what I've done. <laughs> I can't even think of what I've done. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't really think about it too much. Um, I was really happy with the song "Shift" that I did at Minel Drum Fest. That's not uh, 
you know, on my own YouTube channel, but it's on YouTube. Um, I was really, really anxious before playing that drum fest. Um, I was also, you know, it's like that drum festival was in Germany. You fly in, you, you have like less than a day and, you know, you're jet lagged as fuck. And then you have to play in front of a live audience. And it's also being filmed with multiple cameras and recorded. And it's just, it was stressful. That's a very stressful situation for me. Um, in general, I just, you know, that kind of thing makes me anxious no matter what, but I continually put my, myself into those kinds of positions <laughs> to like, uh, get more comfortable with them. And, and I have too, I, I will say, you know, do every time I do something like that, it makes me better at it. Um, you know, just continually pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. But I, I remember feeling particularly anxious that day. And that was like the second song in the set I was playing. Um, and it went really well. And I'm really happy with how it all turned out. Um, so even though that's not a playthrough of like a cover, you know, like those are parts that I wrote. Um, you know, I was, it, it's a playthrough of sorts that's on YouTube. So that was a proud one. Plus it just felt really cool to be there in, in mine old Germany. And, uh, you know, I had so many friends there and so many people I've, uh, who I love that I had never really met, um, I met Sebastian Lanzer in person that weekend. Um, I met Annika Niles, um, Chris Coleman. Man, there were so many people. God, that was such a good year. Like, I don't know how I lucked out playing that Minel Fest because there were so many killer artists on that fest. Um, I'll never forget, too, like, uh, Craig Reynolds did my introduction. He flew from England to uh to germany and just to hang out basically and um he introduced me uh minel asked him to kind of last minute and i remember like i didn't actually hear him when he was introducing me i was like somewhere in the back and probably you know being all stressed out prior to going on stage so i wasn't really paying attention and i guess at some point in the intro he said there isn't going to be any jazz drumming from this guy haha <laughs> is alex rudinger you know come on out or whatever and then I guess before, you know, I would stop, it was, you know, just me performing alone basically to, to tracks and I would, uh, talk a bit between songs and, uh, I played an Evan Brewer song and uh, I think before the song I was like, so this is kind of like one of the, uh, jazzier songs in the set, I guess, you know, I'm not much of a jazz drummer, but it's, uh, more along those lines than anything else I'm going to do. That's for sure. Um, and it definitely is not, you know, for any jazz drummers listening, it's not a jazz song on drums. I mean, there might be like microscopic elements of that, but it's very much like a metal take on it. Um, but I, I just remember Craig coming up to me after and he was like, damn dude, I didn't know you were going to say that you were playing a jazzy song. I specifically told the audience you weren't going to play jazz. And I just thought that was funny. Um, he definitely didn't say it anything like that. He's British, so, you know, he doesn't sound like a dumb American like me. Am I right? <laughs> oh, self-burn. Am I right, guys? All right, all right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, that's enough ranting about that one. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, though, dude. I'm not real good at um, assessing my prior playthroughs. Uh, here's a question that I like a lot, because this, this is the kind of question I love, because it's just like... I don't know why this person asked this, but I love it. Dylan Snyder 96 asked in just two words, best cereal. What a great question. I am a huge fan of cereal for one, uh, two, undoubtedly 
favorite cereal, it's got to be Fruity Pebbles. I know that might sound gross to some of you guys, but holy shit, I fuck with Fruity Pebbles. Oh, man. If I could just eat Fruity Pebbles every day, you know, it's dangerous for me to buy a box of Fruity Pebbles because I, it's very hard for me to stop eating them. I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I have a massive sweet tooth. I love candy. And I'm sure there's going to be some joke about how, yeah, we could tell because I put on a little weight this year, 2020, am I right? Bunch of assholes on the internet pointing that out on YouTube. Uh, don't worry, guys. I ain't worried. I know I've always been able to lose and gain weight real quick, but it still does blow my mind how many people just say things to you online that they would never say to you in real life. Like... It's crazy. People have so much confidence over the internet. There was this one time I called this kid out, actually. He was, like, talking shit about me online. He came to a show, and I was like, hey, you're the dude that said X, Y, and Z. I remember you. And he got all red and, like, oh, man, that shit was funny. You know, I normally wouldn't do that, but, like, I have a problem with that shit, dude. Like, if you're going to talk shit, talk shit to my face. I'm not a confrontational person, typically, but I also am not afraid to stand up for myself. And, like, if you're going to talk shit, man, you better know I'm going to step to you, all right? Am I right? All right, just kidding. I've never been in a fight in my entire life, but I will call somebody out, so. Um, all right, best cereal, definitely um, Fruity Pebbles, all right? Unless we're talking, like, a semi-healthy cereal, and then I got to go with Honey Bunches of Oats. Honey Bunches of Oats with almonds or pecans. The traditional one's pretty good, too, actually, but the pecan one is the cat's pajamas, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, all right. Great question, Dylan. Uh, what kick techniques do you often use? That's from Will the Tyrant. Um, I don't know, man. I just play heel up singles. You know, I don't really do anything special. Um, that's what I do. Yeah, nothing special, man. I don't have a specific kick technique. Um, yeah, just heel up singles, baby. How much fun did you have transcribing BT Bam's Coma Ecliptic book from Cole Benson ninety eight? Uh, a lot of fun, actually. It was difficult um, just because, you know, it's some crazy stuff, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was also fun. Uh, both of the BT Bam albums I transcribed for Blake were fun to do because he sent me like the master Pro Tools mix sessions um, for both those albums. And it was really cool to be able to like open up the sessions and look at, you know, all the stems and be able to like solo out his drum parts and, uh, which obviously is also incredibly handy for transcribing because it allowed me to, you know, solo out the drums and hear all the little details. Um, but additionally, it was just kind of exciting for me to be able to hear, you know, it was nice. I always feel like, uh, I learn material, um, I don't know. I, I learned something new just transcribing someone else's work because when you're transcribing someone else's work, you know, as a side tangent, guys, if you're a drummer trying to learn new stuff, I definitely recommend uh, transcribing other people's parts, you know, and transcribe them note for note initially and perhaps even try to learn them that way. You could always embellish later, but you learn a lot that way. If you transcribe something note for note that someone else played, you know, you kind of get inside their head. And uh, you learn a lot that way. I mean, at least I have. And uh, there, I was just talking about this with someone, um, you know, that there was a part in a BT Bam song I ended up doing a drum video for from Coma Ecliptic. Um, and I learned it, you know, after I transcribed it. And uh, yeah, I there's this one fill that 
is just rad and I never would have thought to do something like that myself and it's something it's a the the sticking for it you know I've kept in my vocabulary ever since then um you know I never never would have picked that up if I hadn't done that book for uh Blake so yeah it was a lot of fun man I love everyone in BT Bam I've toured with them a couple of times they're incredibly nice human beings um a lot of fun to be around there was one night where uh, I wasn't feeling good um, oh, you know what? It was when I got vertigo on tour, man. I had benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, which is almost exclusively found in middle-aged women. How about that guys? I got it. Uh, so like the fluid in my ears got all messed up and, oh man, that sucked. Um, but anyway, like I had that, uh, and the BT Bam guys let me ride on their, uh, bandwagon and, uh, so I could try and get some better sleep cause I was in a bad, I was in bad shape for a few days. So and that's just, you know, one example, but they're just really, really nice people. And, uh, you know, it always makes me so stoked when a band is like, uh, not only incredibly sick, but also super nice, you know, love that. So, uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Toucan Kyle says, when you sweat, do you smell like meatballs? You seem like you'd smell like meatball. <laughs> Oh God. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to smell me, I guess, but, um, I have been told that I actually don't smell that bad even when I'm sweaty. I mean, I think if I, you know, weren't showering regularly, I might start to smell, but I've been told that like my sweat body odor is not, not that bad. Um, you know, those are the kinds of conversations that come up when you're in very close quarters with people for long periods of time on the road. Um, and also I, uh, you know, I always, I, I pretty much go out of my way to shower every day on tour. If, if there's a shower, I will take a shower. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of being disgusting on tour. Um, you know, just makes you feel shitty when you're dirty and gross. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think I have too bad BO thankfully. Um, yeah. All right. J Davis 614 asks if Braun repeats, will you give me a snare? That's tempting. Nah, nah, I can't. Sorry, dude. I would love to, if I was really, really, really wealthy and just, you know, had money to throw around, I would totally do that. Just take that bet. Cause it would, it would be worth it. It would be, I mean, frankly, it would almost be worth it now, but I can't take the risk, you know, even though I think it's incredibly unlikely that anyone is going to beat the Brooklyn Nets. If, if Durant and Harden and Kyrie Irving can all stay healthy, I think that team is going to be unbeatable. And I mean, Deandre Jordan too, like, you know, I mean, was he an all-star? I don't know. I mean, when he was playing in, in LA, when he was a Clipper, I remember him being pretty badass then. I haven't really kept up with his stats or to know how well he's doing with the Nets, but, I mean, that team is stacked. It's insane. Um, but even with that team, I just never doubt the will of LeBron James, you know? I think that there's still a chance that, you know, a team like the Lakers could... I mean, after 2016, when the Cavs beat the Warriors, coming back from 3-1, I, I just... I, I would never in my life doubt LeBron James, you know, that man can just turn it on and will a team, you know? So 
yeah, I don't know. Can't take the bet, dude. There's still a chance that I'd I'd lose it. Um, would be a worth worthwhile loss, but yeah, can't take the, can't take the chance, man. I gotta gotta hold on to my snares, dude. All right, how difficult was it for you to build your foot technique? Um, that's from Brazen Bunnies. Uh, I mean, pretty hard. Uh, maybe not as hard as it was just time, you know, patience and work over a long period. Um, I'm not going to answer that too much here. I, I do have an instructional video that I sell um, that goes into my foot endurance exercise in detail. It's on my web store, um, which is alexfruitinger.com. And then you just click on the store tab. It's It redirects you to my Gumroad store. Um, but that is... Uh, you know, something I talk a lot about there, and it's definitely something that comes up in lessons a lot, is just foot technique and what I've done to develop that stuff. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was difficult. It was work, but, like, it didn't really feel like work. It was something I was really into, you know, and although I don't invest as much time regularly into it, I still maintain it, and, I mean, I warm up my feet uh, every single day, you know, up to at least 225 BPM and uh, sustaining for a minute 16th notes that's you know what i do in my warm-up usually i go to 230 for a minute in my warm-up um so i definitely maintain those chops um it also just gets me super loose but you know i don't put the time in uh on the endurance exercise front anymore as much because i feel like i've already you know i i got what i i got to a point where i was really you know content with that um I do start to do it a little bit more again, um, depending on, you know, what gig I have coming up. Like I always maintain this base of those BPMs and speeds and amount of time that I'm able to sustain them. But, you know, if there's like a tour or something where, uh, you know, I'm opening with a difficult song, like I remember on one of the faceless tours on summer slaughter tour, we opened with an autopsy, which is like 225, Um, and, we opened with some other fast tunes too, but that song is really, you know, it's not the fastest faceless song, but it's, it's, it's fast enough for a long period and 225, you know, and there's a, there's just a lot of double bass in that song that's sustained for a long time. So I had to be able to like come out of the gate swinging. Um, so prior to that tour, uh, I was doing it a lot, um, doing my endurance exercise a lot just to, you know, kind of condition right before the tour and the weeks leading up to it. And then, uh, I would also always try to warm up all of my limbs to like five to 10 BPM above whatever the starting BPM was of the first song. Um, you know, if, especially if the first song was, you know, I, I always kind of warm up my hands up to around that area anyway, but anytime we were starting with like a really fast one, I would always warm up my limbs to make sure I was comfortable even faster. So I don't know, man, it's one of those things, uh, where, it was a process developing technique and speed and all that, um, especially for my feet. But uh, I guess at a certain point, it kind of becomes more like maintenance, and uh, and then and then past that, it just depends on on the gig or what I want to do. You know, like if if something comes up that requires me to um, play that fast again. 
Uh, I mean, there are very few gigs I would take that would require that of me anymore. Like, I've honestly, I think Whitechapel is one of the only bands, if not the only band, that I was willing to try and do anything like that for again. Um, just because I've always been a fan of their music and it means a lot to me to to play with them and represent them in the live capacity and, and whatever other capacity. Oh, well, I guess I've recorded on an album now, so an album capacity too. Um, even though you guys haven't heard it yet, I'm very stoked for you all to hear it. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess part of the thing is like when you've worked on your foot technique for that long at, at a certain point, you also kind of know what you need to do to, uh, up your game a bit when the when and if the time comes you know um so you kind of know what to expect already because you've done it and you know how much work it's going to take and yeah so that i mean that's just kind of like a an extension of that training but anyway now i'm just ranting so i'm gonna move on um but yeah i mean it was hard but it just you know time man just takes time consistently investing time regularly for an amount of time you know years really um favorite weird al song honestly man like i know who weird al is obviously that's from my brady can i know who weird al is and i definitely have listened to some of his songs but i never got super into it um i think his heyday was kind of when i was pretty young uh so yeah i honestly couldn't even tell you a song um at all i mean i know he i guess didn't he do like covers like parody covers wasn't that his thing um I'm sure I, I've heard one, but I couldn't name one. I'm sorry to tell you, dude. All right, let's see. Uh, man, man, Manton Blammy, would you consider getting a longboard hi-hat pedal to match your tricks, pros, cons? Um, no, I, I love my Tama hi-hat hi-hat stands. Um, they're they're great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not quite as particular about hi-hat stands as I am about actual pedals, like bass drum pedals. When we getting more drum vids, homie, from Luca Stinnar. Uh, well, at the time of me getting all these questions, I posted one that day, and I'm going to post up another one on Thursday or Friday. Um, so, yeah, I guess that kind of answers that. Um, Aiden Julius asks, do you still use the drum rack? Yes, uh, but really the drum rack is primarily something I use with Whitechapel, and um, I switched back to all my cymbal stands when... Uh, you know, the time leading up to doing the Whitechapel album. Recording with a rack is just never that great of an idea. For starters, it's harder to change stuff out. Um, you know, if you're trying out a lot of different drums, it's harder to get different stuff situated on a rack because if you change one thing, it can affect a lot of things. Um, and then additionally, and most engineers I know would agree, drums just don't seem to resonate quite as well on a rack as they do like a stand. Um, I'm not sure why, maybe it's because everything's connected. Um, but yeah, uh, I do, I will still use the rack again. Um, in fact, it's in the next room, half set up, taking up a goddamn lot of space. Um, I've been, I, I didn't, I don't know when, when quarantine first started, I decided I wouldn't deassemble it. I didn't know I was going to be home for a whole goddamn year. Um, but yeah, uh, I like using the rack with Whitechapel, and it definitely, there are aspects of it, especially from an audio engineering aspect uh, with the sound guy that does Chapel sound, uh, Brandon Cagle. Um, he mounts a lot of stuff off of it, so it certainly makes 
uh, certain things easier. Um, but yeah, I just switched back to stands prior to doing the Whitechapel album because I knew I was going to end up using stands on that. And, you know, I just haven't switched back. I like stands, personally. Um, I always have. I use stands, you know, most of my touring career. Well, I hadn't used a rack since I was a teenager when I got this one. But the rack has been fun, and it will surely return. Uh, let's see. Would love to see you play Bobby Jarzenbeck peppered cancer. That is from black underscore icon seven. Yeah, dude. Um, I have actually toyed with that, like covering that song, peppered cancer um, by Spastic Inc. Isn't it Spastic Inc.? Yeah. Uh, Bobby Jarzenbeck. Man, I, I remember watching those videos on Modern Drummer back in the day. God damn. That shit's still sick to this day. He is so killer. Um I would honestly do it if I could get a guitar file for it. I don't want to try and cover that song and, and mix my recorded drums over top of other recorded drums. But if I could get a guitar file, I would, hell yeah, I would transcribe it and start working on it because that'd be fun as shit. It's such a cool song too. Um, let's see. How many more of these do I have right now? Oh my God, dude. I'm so shitty at answering questions. I'm not, I'm, I barely got like, uh, we're going to have to do part three if anyone wants it. We'll see. Um, because I'm getting tired now. It's late. I'm finna go to bed. I'll answer like two more. I like this one actually. Um, did you ever break a bone? Uh, that is from Eric Chesick, I think. I think that's how you say that. Uh, yeah, I have broken bones. Um, it's been a long time, but I'd say the worst thing I ever broke was my collarbone. When I was, uh, I don't know, 16 or something like that, I, uh, me and my, my friends were riding our bikes around downtown Frederick in the middle of the night like a bunch of crazy youngins, you know how kids do, and uh, we started doing this thing where we would take our bikes in the elevators of these parking garages downtown and take the elevator to the top and then ride down as fast as we could. It was just something, you know, we just did it a bunch of times. And one time I was riding down this parking deck uh, on my sweet BMX bike and I came flying off. I hit the ground uh, like on my shoulder and then I slid into this wall and, and hit the wall like with my shoulder too. I, I snapped my collarbone in two places Um it was devastating. And it was also de devastating because, I mean, I, I pretty much went into shock, I think, immediately. Like, I, I I pushed myself up off the ground. Like, I got up immediately. Because even at that point in my life, I was like, oh my god, drums, like, as soon as it happened, you know? So, uh, naturally, I was just like, oh, I'm fine. And I tried to get up, and I felt this, the sharpest pain, you know, I've ever felt in my shoulder. Um, and I just went pale, you know? Um, and I was trying to, like, you know, figure out what had happened. And my friends kind of like, I walked home. I didn't live that far from down there. And, uh, as soon as I got in the house, my mom was just like, what the fuck is going on? Cause she, you know, I was like pale white, she said. And I mean, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already pretty pale and white. Goddamn. I'd never get any sun, but I was even whiter, you know, in terms of my paleness and just being, you know, lo I looked fucked up and, you know, we just went straight to the hospital and that was that. And they x-rayed me and 
Yeah, I fucked my shit up, dude. Sucked. Um, It's never affected me that much as an adult, though. Uh, I do, uh, oddly, I still feel it sometimes when I'm uh, benching uh, at the gym. And when I, you know, not during a set, but when I rack it, like, I feel like something in that collarbone. Um, Yeah, like, I don't know what, but um, it was my left left collarbone. Um, That sucked ass. Past that, I've broken... uh, some toes. I fractured a rib playing hockey. I was really young when that happened. Uh, I've broken growth plates in my wrists, both of them. Uh, I tore a muscle once. I, they put me in a cast for that. I don't know. I was a pretty like dumb. I, I would just, I don't know. I did a lot of stupid shit growing up, but I would say pretty much after the collarbone thing, I mean, I'll put it this way. I have not ridden a bike since then. That was when I was, you know, 15 or 16 and I haven't ridden a bike. I basically, it's like, if anything, you know, affects my work, even at that age, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I, I, to this day, I don't do anything on wheels. Not really. Um, If there's a chance that it could hurt me, which would in turn hurt my livelihood, I don't do it. The only thing I do on wheels is drive. Um, I used to play basketball with my friends at the gym. Um, and then I sprained my ankle. That was a week before the first tour, first and only tour the Heart Machine did. Uh, maybe more like a couple weeks before, but because I still managed to do the tour. But the first couple, the first like week of that tour, I still had like a purple and bluish ankle. Like I could barely walk on it, but somehow I could drum well enough. And, uh, yeah, so I don't even play basketball anymore. Um, and honestly, rolling your ankle is like... I remember I'd never done that, not like that anyway. Like, that was bad sprain. And uh, I remember when the doctor, at the, the hospital x-ray person was like, yeah, it's not broken, it's just a sprain. And I remember thinking, oh, good, like, I'll be fine then. <laughs> man, I was wrong. That was that was brutal, man. A sprain can be worse. Um, but yeah... So yeah, that answers that. Uh, did you ever break a bone? Yeah, but I haven't broken anything in a long time now. Um, I just try to avoid doing anything. I mean, shit, dude. There have even been times where like I do something stupid at the gym where I like put like a dumbbell down wrong and it kind of pinches my finger and I'm like, god damn it! Like I I just need to be more careful about that kind of thing. But that's also why I don't do uh I don't do anything on wheels or anything fun like that. Like, um, I just don't want to take the risk. It's not worth it to me. Um, anyway, let's do this as a last question. Alex Sadler 89 asks, can I borrow your David Silveria signature snare for a corn cover? Ha ha ha. Well, Alex, great name, by the way, I'm a little bit biased, but Hey, um, sadly, I do not have a David Silveria snare, the snare, the David Silveria in those drum videos of mine. There, I think a couple revocation ones, uh, monuments one, uh, that is not my snare. That snare drum belongs to Alex Marquides. Wow, look at us. The three Alexes. Alex Sadler, Alex Marquides, and me. Um, all fans of the David Silveria. Uh, yeah, that is his drum. And at the time, I was borrowing it. I tried desperately to convince him to sell it to me. He wouldn't, even though he wasn't even using it. Um, I think he actually sold it now. He, he hit me up about it sometime recently and asked me if I wanted to buy it still because he was selling it. Alex Marquides, by the way, is the, did I already say that? He's the sound guy. Uh, he does sound for Periphery. He also has done sound for like 
Killswitch and uh, Devin Townsend, and he's just a sick guy that does a bunch of sick shit. Um, but that is his snare. He let me borrow it. I tried to buy it. He wouldn't sell it. Then he wanted to sell it years later. I wanted to, but he wanted more money than I had at the time. Um, plus, I already have... I, I basically have one that's not an actual one. I have a... Uh, when I got my Star Classic Maple Kit, I asked Hama if they would do, you know, as the snare drum that comes with a with that kit, I asked if instead of it just being like, uh, you know, a standard Star Classic Maple Shell, if they could basically do a, uh, a throwback custom snare for me, like the Silveria Shell, which is like 13, I think it's like 13 ply maple, um, you know, 14 by six and a half. Uh, which I, I think is basically their G maple shell. I don't know. I can't remember, but all I know is I was basically like, just make me a David Silveria ripoff snare. And that's what they did. Um, so I don't have the actual David Silveria, but I have a snare that's basically identical. Um, there was something about Marquiti's, uh, like his actual signature Silveria snare though. I love that thing. It's, I love the, the snare I have now, too, the one that's like it, but I really liked his even more. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I suck at answering questions, guys. Now you know why I don't... Oh, wait, I just was scrolling through these, and I saw one other question. I'm going to answer this one, too, because it just says, Coca-Cola or Diet Coke? Pepsi, dude. That's right. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I actually do prefer Pepsi to Coke. Um I have a wicked sweet tooth. What can I say? I think Pepsi's sweeter. I like it better. Um, But to be honest, I never drink sugared soda, really. If I do drink soda, it's diet usually. And favorite diet soda is Diet A&W. That shit is good as shit. Um, It just is lit. I mean, obviously sugared soda is delicious, but it's terrible for you. I'm sure the diet shit is terrible for you too. But um, if I do drink soda, it's usually that. Uh, but if I had to drink just like a plain, regular sugared cola, I'd probably take a cold can of Pepsi before Coke. Sorry, guys. I know that's a, that's a sensitive one for some people, but yeah, that'll do it. Oh, that was from, uh, who was that even from? I named everyone else, so I can't leave him out. That was from Jake Davis Drummer. Yeah, that was a good question to end on. I like it. Uh, but yeah, now you can probably tell why I can't. I can't do this. I, I can't answer these kinds of things half the time on Instagram because I just rant too goddamn much. It's a good thing I invented this podcast for myself so I could rant even more. So yeah, maybe we'll do a part three to this. Um, yeah, we'll see. At any rate, this is far more than enough ranting for today. I feel a little brain fried now, so I'm going to go and uh, get ready for bed. Wake up and play drums. That's the whole story, guys. That's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, And yeah, I'll hit y'all back. Do another episode sometime in the next uh, few days or something like that. Maybe over the weekend. All right, y'all. I will talk to you soon. Much love and thank you for listening. Peace.